Now, the next thing I wanted to talk about, and this, we probably should have started here, but one of the most powerful, powerful, and, and I want you to lean in and pay attention Listen, to turn this the volume. Turn the volume yeah. up. Tell the dog to be quiet. Tell Kids everybody, to the room. shut the phones off. Put them in your microwaves. Um, this is the time to <laughs> oh really God. listen. It's networking. None of this is going to work for you if you don't have the right people, the right group of people around you that you can ask, you can reach out to, you can partner with, you can you know tap on the shoulder to, to help you out. None of this shit is going to help you if you don't have that group and those resources available to you. So you need to be networking. The best networking that I like to do is the happy hours, the coffee events, all these little, the smaller ones where you can have more one-on-one interactions with people. Yeah. Um, and when you go to the RIAs, I usually, when I go, I do the networking part. And whenever the presentation or the sales pitch starts, that's when I typically leave because I just go for the networking, right? I want to meet the people. And you want to start meeting investors that are savvy investors that have been doing this, I would say, at least a decade, right? Not people that just started in the last three years, four years, two years. They're not going to be people that most of them may not be around in the coming years. So, but the people that have been doing this for 10 years, 15, 20 years, they know what's happening. They know how to invest. They know how to buy. So these are the people you want on your list of contacts, whether you're wholesaling, you want them as buyers. If you're investing, flipping, buy and hold, anything like that, you want them as your, as for like consultants. You know what I mean? Like these are people that right now we're doing a deal on a type of strategy that we've never implemented before. And we have our people, our Rolodex, our, our Rolodex, right? <laughs> we have a Rolodex. Is that a watch? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a knockoff version of the Rolex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we have our, our contacts that we reached out to one of our, our coaches, and we asked him about this deal and everything. We're partnering with him on the whole thing. He's quarterbacking this whole deal. We've never done this type of deal before. So after doing this, we're going to know so much more because now we learn what contracts he uses, what's the process he does. How are the steps that he takes? So we are learning from somebody that's done this oh. hundreds of times. I mean, that, if you can look at our story and we tell people like people like, I mean, I'm not, this doesn't sound arrogant or cocky, but the people look up to us and they, they've said it like, oh my God, you guys look like you're killing it, all this other stuff. And it's like, we still, it's like we got here by partnering with other people so we can learn. We're still doing that seven, eight years later. I don't know a strategy. I know it's possible. I found a guy that knows how to do it. Yeah. I'm partnering with him and I'm giving him 50% of the profit and I'm doing all the work. Yeah. And that's how we started. And that we still do that today to learn a new strategy. What we did when we first started, giving 50% of our profit away on a flip for somebody else to bring the money. We don't do that anymore because we don't need to do that anymore because we know what we're doing and we have the credibility behind doing and that think, and the confidence to do that. Now, this one, I don't have the credibility uh, or the confidence to do this type of deal we're doing right now. They do, but now I can go through and watch the whole thing. They get a huge chunk of money. They benefit from it, and I gain all kinds of knowledge. And that's where I say a lot of people, you can't get freaking greedy on doing your first deals. And that's uh, that's really the, the biggest highlight there is we value knowledge and resources over money. Where it's like, you give away 50%. I don't give a damn. Like, when, when we talked about this deal, uh, you called me up and you're like, hey, do you want to partner with Logan on it? You know, we're going to have to give him 50%. It's like, okay. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, we'll give him whatever the hell he wants because he's going to walk us through the whole thing. 
What we want is the knowledge, is the resources. Because once you gain that knowledge and resources, you can do this yourself as much as you want. And you get 100% of it. But if you're starting at first, like that stupid mentality people have, that they're like, oh, I learn better on my own. That's that's beyond ignorant. Like, how do you learn better? You don't even know what the hell you're You took learning. a baby and said, just left it in a room and just sit there. Like, how knowledgeable is that thing going to be? Oh, very. <laughs> and, and that's what I said. Like, you... Our brains do not just absorb knowledge without experience other people somehow. Like yeah, you can read you books. Somebody wrote that damn book. Yeah. You just learn from somebody. So I learned better on my own. Like Yeah. You, you had to learn from somebody. We we partner, we network, we we have always we're all even when we already think we know the answer, we still call people that are smarter than us, that have done this more than us, and we pick their brains because maybe they know a way to do it that we don't. And the more successful we've become, the more money we spend on coaching and training and education because we know that's where the value is. It's not on just making more money because if you don't broaden your knowledge and your experiences and your resources, you're not going to make any money. So make sure you're out, you're networking because uh, that's the other thing that's going to happen. When If the market does turn and it turns bad, you're going to start seeing a lot of these RIAs go out. You're going to start seeing a lot of these meetups go away. So you're not going to have access to all these people. So take advantage now, get out there and network in your local market. So the next thing is focusing primarily on income producing assets. So we are no, we're not speculating, you know, we're not getting into the flipping uh, as much as we were. We're, we're not doing all those things. We're focused more on income producing assets. And when it comes time to what we're wholesaling, we're marketing to income producing assets because that's who we know the buyers are going to be. Yeah. So you want to break down what that looks like in all spaces. So what we had been doing these last several years, we were targeting things that we now classify as equity properties because they don't make sense as rentals. They don't make sense as owner finances. The only way it made sense is the fact that I could buy it for one price. I could improve that property and sell it for a higher price and make a spread in between. That's the only really thing that made sense because I was going after that equity piece that I was able to force into that property and sell. So an income producing property is something that a or we've talked about rental properties, owner finance deals, those are income producing assets. And those typically tend to be more of a lower price point home or a multifamily commercial style property, whatever that may be. It means that somebody's able to produce an income with that asset. So owner finance piece, we talk about, I can buy a house for $70,000. I sell it to somebody else for say $80,000. They go borrow $100,000 against that property, put that $20,000 into the property, sell the thing on payments for $140,000. And now they make a spread in between because they only own $100,000. They make a $140,000 note on that and they make a spread in between on that piece. So that is an income producing property. Why we're doing that is because that person does not care about interest rates that the Fed is doing, which are traditional mortgage rates, because they're never touching that pro that that property. Because when they bought it from us for eighty and borrowed one hundred and twenty, they use private money at say eight percent. Now they went and sold that thing with payments to somebody that can't qualify for mortgage, whether it be credit issues, uh, 
some form of reason, they can't go get a traditional mortgage. So, but they can say, I can afford that payment at 140,000 and say their interest rate is 10%, whatever it may be, 12%, 14 is usually higher interest rates and stuff like that. And now they sold it for 140 at 14%. So they owe debt of a hundred at eight and they own an asset at 140 and 12% interest and they create a spread. They never want to touch the Fed. They don't they don't care what it is yep. because that they are looking at basically payments on what that person they're solving to the payment on the back end. Yeah. So that's why we call those types like income producing assets. And then you have your rental properties which everyone knows those commercial small multis. Those ones still depend on the interest rates of the Fed, but if you have a 5 unit property, it's a commercial loan. That's the same type of loan you're going to get for an eight unit, a 10 unit, 15 unit. Everyone's playing on the same uh, playing field when you get into that five plus units. Yeah. So it makes it easier. They're so, they still, everybody in that asset class has to solve to that payment. Yeah. So it's a little bit different game. So that's why we're now targeting income producing assets. And then the other benefit to marketing for these deals. So if you're a wholesaler and you're marketing to these, you're going to get better deals this way because you're going to be able to offer more income producing buyers. They're willing to pay a little bit more because they're going to be holding on to the property so they can wait for the equity um, versus a fix and flip buyer. They need steep big discounts because they're looking to buy it, fix it up and sell it right away. So they need those margins where a buy and hold buyer may not even need to fix up the property if it rents as is. So you have a lot better negotiations you can possibly wholesale it for a little bit better profit. Um, you're most likely definitely going to find a buyer for it. So we love income producing assets because I think the buyer pool is definitely going to be there. Uh, they're going to be there at a higher price point than your fix and flip buyers. You're going to have better opportunities with uh, when you're negotiating deals. Um, and you're definitely going to be able to make some more money in that respect. So definitely start targeting more income producing assets versus... Um, you know, these massive, you know, flips, historic deals and all those things, I think you're going to see a, a bigger struggle in those areas. 